Welcome back, listeners, to the latest episode of The New Standard. And I want to welcome my co-host to the show, Neil Kulong. Neil, what's happening? Not a whole lot, Lance. Thanks for thanks for putting this together. Um, first show went really well. I'm glad we can do another one, and um, I think we have some good things to talk about. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think we do, too. Before we jump into the main topics of the show, um, I just want to let you guys know that the show is now available on a variety of platforms. If you want to do a search for it, you can go to Apple Podcasts and do a search for The New Standard, do a search for New Standard, Lance Williams, or Neil Kulong. I'm going to have a little bit of trouble searching and finding it. I don't know if it's because the pod is new, uh, but you can also find the pod on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube as well. So do a search for The New Standard, and you will find the show there. And I think you struck on a good thing last week. Listeners, if you didn't listen to the show, I just want to explain briefly. Our, our, our show is going to be topical, but it's going to be a little bit different. It, it's going to be more thematic. Um, I think it's going to be more from a 30,000 to 60,000 foot perspective. So what's going to be a little bit different on our show is we may not be just hitting, you know, the news topics that come out every day and trying to respond quickly to those. It's going to be more encompassing um, of, of of bigger things when you talk about football. So for that type of stuff, you'll find that information from us when we respond to it on Twitter or different platforms where we'll give our immediate knee-jerk reaction to that. But on this show, we're going to talk about bigger themes. And the theme we're going to talk about on this particular show is, can you rebuild with one foot in the past? Now, let me preface this, and let me ask you this question, Neil. I came up with a concept years ago. I don't know if it was on this show or if it was the JTS show or just one of the myriad of shows that I've done over the past 15 years. It was a concept that I created called the positive hostage. And the positive hostage in terms of football, in my opinion, is an older player, one that has been very good, and in Ben's case, a Hall of Famer, arguably the best ever in the franchise's history at the position, extremely accomplished, two Super Bowls, probably about top 10 to top 15 at the position, face of the franchise, has been the face of the franchise for the last 20 years. In fact, there are tons of Pittsburgh Steelers fans that have no recollection of any other quarterback but Ben Roethlisberger. That's the positive side. Here's the hostage side. Not as good as he once was in the past. He's coming off of injury. He can't necessarily carry the team. The Steelers had to do some new uh, contract maneuverings that we've talked about with avoidable years on the back end to keep him on the team. He's the kind of the best, worst option. Where they're at, he's good enough for them to be sort of good, but not bad enough for them to get a really high draft pick. Is Ben the positive hostage? Can you really move forward while you still have Ben on this roster? I think the answer to that is it really is going to be not just how they perform this season, but even in the offseason, how they are orchestrating the construction of the roster. That, to me, is really kind of the key thing here. And to this point, on, on March 28th, We've got nothing but mixed signals 
from the team on exactly what they're doing. Now that the news last night that broke that Tyson Alualu is in fact uh, re-signing with the Steelers, kind of an interesting situation there. It, it suggests the team did try to re-sign him, obviously, and they're going to be able to get him back. That's the type of move that they need, not just for this year, but for next year as well. Um, he's a player that suggests they want to win now and they are trying to build something for the future. But other moves, and Roethlisberger is at the top of the list, don't really reflect full buy-in for next season. Um, if we were to look at this roster, Lance, and, and say objectively, is what they have right now good enough to win a championship? Because I'll tell you this, through experience, if, if you pay attention to the NFL, no team has ever drafted a Super Bowl champion in their rookie years, certainly not at the quarterback position. You don't have the ability to, to bring in a bunch of new players and expect to win at a high level. Keeping Ben Roethlisberger, on one hand, can suggest the team is trying to build for the future. And it, given the $22.5 million that Ben was counting on the Steelers' salary cap this season, regardless whether he plays or not, you have to think they need to work that out. That's got to be the, the pig and the python. They, they need to be able to get past that point in order to build. Now, bringing him back doesn't necessarily say, as many are, are trying to suggest, this is a win-now team. That's the case. Why did you just cut Steven Nelson to save $8 million on the salary cap? Um, that's not a move that suggests right now they're trying to win. It's a move that's really more for, for next season, what they're trying to build for next year, in my opinion. If they don't spend any more of the cap space they have, they roll all of that over into next year. When they only have 20-some players on their roster uh, to, to try to compete. Every team is going to tell you that they, they're competing for a Super Bowl this year. No team is going to sell tickets by, by pulling the Major League Baseball route of, just wait, stick with us now, in three years we'll be really good. That's not how it works in the NFL. That's not what drives fans to the NFL, and that, that's a big part of the reason why it's the most popular sport. Roethlisberger staying on the team right now, to me, and this is where it gets weird, represents both of those things. You said it before. He is probably the best bad option that they have. That's not to suggest he can't play, but it is to suggest he's worth way more money on the salary cap and on the roster than they're going to get out of production. If the last eight weeks of the season were any indication, there's not a whole lot left there. You can give him whatever weapons you want. He doesn't have much mobility. That limits them offensively. I don't care what people think Matt Canada is going to do. He can't roll out. He can't make plays out off schedule the way that he used to. He's going to get by on guile and guts, which is really kind of Ben Roethlisberger's career. He's just not able to do it at a high level. But he's being paid uh, on, on the salary cap anyway. He's representing a much higher level player than he probably is. With him in the way, they're not able to make a, a, a bunch of moves, which I think they could have done uh, in a down market with not as many teams as competitive in free agency as, as you might think in a normal year. Uh, but his contract really is kind of an albatross. It, it's sitting there, and kind of, I don't want to say restricting them because there are a lot of things that are restricting them, but that top to bottom is the price they have to pay for a quarterback who probably isn't going to play at the level that you would hope a player at that level of salary cap, not salary, salary cap level would, would be able to play for. Um, it, it, there are a lot of business reasons 
they're in that position. And it, it's not as if they're saying there's nothing we can do. We need to get around this. He really is the best option considering, and this is the main thing you can't get past, he has salary cap um, implications that date back to two, three, four years ago. The, all that money that was pushed forward is coming due. They have to account for that, whether he's on the team or not. That in mind, the best other option that they had financially was to start Mason Rudolph. They're not going to cut Ben Roethlisberger and go against what seems to be a, a mutual decision dating back a, a little bit that this was going to be his last year. Ben has said repeatedly he wants to play one more season this year, and by all accounts, he's going to do that. The Steelers were not going to deprive him of the opportunity to do that for the sake of starting Mason Rudolph, still putting $22.5 million on the cap, and trying to convince people that they're trying to win this year. There's no way. that It's just simply not reasonable. So the positive hostage piece I think is fair. I don't think they could have avoided it, and I think this is the best option that they had going into the season in an effort to rebuild. This is not a year that they're trying to win, whatever that means exactly. This is not a year that they're loading up on talent that they need. They're not even really addressing depth at this point. And all that can change. By by next week's show, all of that could have changed. Right now, the moves we've seen do not indicate this is something they're trying to win. But I don't think that the Ben Roethlisberger decision is uh, connected to that. I think that's something they had to do anyway. This is it for that. That's separate for how they're trying to clearly rebuild for next year when they have a lot more cap space, they have a lot more roster space, and they're going to have four compensatory picks coming back to them from this year's free agency. You know, bringing Ben Roethlisberger back feels like, you know, I paid for the catering, but the wedding got canceled. So we might as well just have a party and eat the food anyway. I mean, it feels like, you know, like I said on Twitter, the old Johnny Taylor song is cheaper to keeper. I mean, you just got saddled with it. It feels like, oh, oh well, we didn't pay for it. We might as well go. You know, you took someone out. You're in a restaurant. You don't really want to be there with her. But you're like, yeah. She looks kind of cute under a certain light. Maybe if the light hits her right, eh, maybe if I have a couple of cocktails, this date might get better. It just feels really weird. And it's what you said uh, about competing in the National Football League, which I find very interesting, is that you don't necessarily have to convince your fan base that you're going to win a Super Bowl or that you're even good enough to win a Super Bowl. What you have to convince your fan base is you're trying. Even if you know that the moves that you're making aren't very good and really aren't going to get you there. Because when you look at cutting Steven Nelson, and, and to me, I think where Ben and you alluded to it complicates this even more is if you're going to eat the food and you got to go out on a date, well, you might as well put some salt and pepper on the food to try to make it a little bit better. So since you got to be there, you might as well try to win. But cutting a Steven Nelson, someone who played almost 1,900 snaps in two seasons, who's your starting corner, who played 900 snaps last year, doesn't make sense when you have Penn on the roster and this could potentially be Ben's last season. How do you do both? 
It's like a shuffle. Like if you're shuffling, trying to jump into a double dutch rope where you're going back and forward, back and forward. It's the double dutch. You're taking a step forward. You're taking a step back. But you're not moving anywhere. But I think at least for the perception of the Steelers are still trying to compete and try to win, I think that box is scratched with Big Ben bringing him back. Because you're right. If you if you nix Big Ben when you've already paid for him, right, you're just going to go hungry. And you're going to be starving if you start Mason Rudolph. I mean, you're just sending a signal to your fan base, look, we're not competing. We're not even going to try to win a Super Bowl. We're going to start Mason Rudolph. I mean, no one would be excited about that in a COVID pandemic era. Like, why do I want to go watch some football when Mason Rudolph is starting and playing? But at the same time, are you competing for a Super Bowl? Because before Tyson Alulu mysteriously came back, and the way that happened is just, you know, I've never heard of anything like that. You know, you test positive, now you change your mind, so on and so forth. Um so now you're talking about, at one point, it was 3,100 snaps. They had lost 3,100 snaps on defense. If you're bringing Ben back, now you've lost probably about 2,600, 2,500 snaps on defense from guys who are, are starters, or I'll, I'll say Mike Hilton, quote-unquote, a starter because he played a nickel corner and played a ton of snaps. You know, how do you do this? How do you bring Ben back? try to compete for a championship, lose 2,500 snaps on defense. This just doesn't seem consistent. I've been watching football a long time. I've been following it for years. This doesn't seem consistent. This is an absolute mixed message to me. I mean, I mean, am I off with this, Neil, or, or, or am I seeing it clearly? I think you're not off. There, There is – intellectual conflict between those two statements and those positions. But that's only if we're viewing this in the singular vacuum that the team is either saying we want to win this year or we want to rebuild. What I'm saying is the decision on Roethlisberger is not necessarily connected to that. That decision is loyalty. It's uh, tradition isn't the word, but it's consistent with the idea that they're aware that Ben Roethlisberger is the best offensive player in Steelers history. He's the most popular player in Steelers history. They do not want a Terry Bradshaw-style situation. They don't want a Franco Harris finishing his career with the Seattle Seahawks situation. They want Ben to be able to end things the way that he wants to end them. They want to have uh, Ben finish up under his terms. If we look at it from that lens – and I, I'm not reporting that as fact. I'm just saying if we look at it from the perspective of Art Rooney, Kevin Colbert, they said Ben truly is the best realistic option that we have. Because let's keep in mind, look look at the free agent market. Okay, Andy Dalton went for $10 million. Ryan Fitzpatrick went for $10 million. They could not cut Ben and sign that level of quarterback. They would not be able to afford $32 million on their cap for Andy Dalton to come and start in Pittsburgh over Ben Roethlisberger when Ben wanted to play this year. That's a PR nightmare. That's a, a roster nightmare. Nothing good is coming from that. And they'd have to pay more than what they're doing now. The best realistic option that they had, because th- keep in mind, this decision was not made uh, independent of anything else. It's They're not paying Ben much this season. His salary is $14 million this year. He's not a high-priced quarterback. It's the past cap um, 
the, the buildup that they had that they have to get over. So they're saying we want to win because there's no reason for them to say otherwise. Ben is the best option that we have because Ben with Ben comes a lot of things that we can't do anything about. It becomes independent of that decision. So if we look at it from that lens, we have to make this decision with Roethlisberger. We're going to do that. What's the best way we can accommodate everything else? How can we move all of this other stuff around to try to figure out what we need to do? I'll add to that, though, Lance, because to me, this is also something that we're not going to ever fully know, and or at least probably not even really be able to trust if they say otherwise. I would propose this, as far as Steven Nelson goes, and this is important just because Ben, the albatross on the salary cap, is there. They have to find relief somehow. Nelson could have been able to sign an extension with the team, take I'm not going to do the math on air, but there were salary breakdowns over a three-year contract that Nelson could have signed to lower his cap number, which was about $14.5 million this season, with a base salary of $8 million. There are ways to put an extension together that Nelson could have signed, stayed in Pittsburgh for three years on a new deal, and lowered that $14.5 million cap number. What I'm saying is it's possible they discussed an extension with him, And wisely, Steven Nelson looked around at the market and said, all these guys are getting huge deals. You know, who's Trey Waynes compared to me? Why is he getting 15 a year if I'm making eight? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That's not an extension I want to sign. I have a contract here for this year. I'm going to make eight, which is, you know, almost half of what the market is showing right now a quarterback of of his ability is able to make, as evidenced by three or four signings, most notably William Jackson signing with Washington. If I'm able to make that, that's what I want to make. That's the extension I'm going to sign. Otherwise, I'm not going to. Then the Steelers just say, you know what? That $8 million uh, hit of cap relief is going to help us more than keeping Steven Nelson on a lame duck year. In other words, we don't need to keep him. We just signed Cam Sutton to what's really a one-year contract. We can get by with Cam Sutton for what we have right now. And if we release Nelson – we get $8 million of cap space. If we don't, we get a compensatory pick back for Steven Nelson in 2023. That doesn't help us in the next two years. So business-wise, I think it makes sense for Nelson to, to if he didn't want that extension, whatever it is the Steelers hypothetically offered, it, it makes sense that both sides just said, yeah, you know what, Let, let's get on with it then. Just cut me. I'll find what I can for now. Maybe it's just a one-year deal. Maybe I cash in next season in, in free agency just like I would if I was here. You get the cap relief to do the things that you need to do. Um, that is the decision I feel it's not directly affected uh, by Roethlisberger and the decision made with Roethlisberger, but the cap space that Ben takes up on a very low salary, with how upside down that is, it does make sense because they need to find cap relief somewhere. I there, There's no logical reason for me to believe that Steven Nelson uh, was somebody they wanted to get rid of. If they did, they would have cut him a long time ago. They cut Vince Williams two days into free agency. Why would they have cut Steven Nelson? It makes no sense at all. My opinion, it's because Nelson balked on the idea of signing the extension that the Steelers offered him because he wanted to see how the market was going to play out, as he should have, because look what happened. He's worth a lot of money, and any contract that Nelson could have signed uh, in order to lower that cap number uh, would have been 
probably not even close to what William Jackson just made. So he says no. Any other uh, extension the Steelers would have signed it to would have increased his cap number uh, based on the market. So cutting him then becomes a viable option because the cap space that they need is more valuable than having Nelson for one more year because now they know Nelson's not going to sign an extension with them. So what, what's the difference between him and Vince Williams? I don't think anything except one has a, a lot more cap space that, that was made available. They have Sutton, and overall, I think they are trying to transition into something else. Roethlisberger's contract should not be considered the norm of all of this. It's one that they just simply can't get around. Every other move they're making right now suggests they're rebuilding um, for a team that, that's going to start next season, not so much this year. Again, positive hostage, because when you're, when you're saying exactly. winning, cutting your corner, your starting corner, 900 snaps, 1,900 snaps, at a point where you finally get your defense to where you have a very good secondary. You have Hayden, you have Nelson, you have Edmonds, you have Fitzpatrick. You finally are in a position in Sutton where you have a very flexible and versatile secondary, which to me was the backbone of that defense. Because that secondary was so sound and so solid for the last two seasons, it elevated that defense. You finally get that defense to a championship level. And I'm not a person that thinks that you win, you know, you win with defense. You know, defense wins championships. I'm not that antiquated or old in my thinking when it comes to football. It's a complimentary game. It's both sides of the ball. You got to play well on both sides to win. Yeah, you don't you don't win with a bad defense. We know that. <laughs> you don't win with a bad defense obviously, but this is weird. So like you Ben's back and that's why it goes back to like, hey man, it's cheaper to keep her. I have him so what well, we don't have him. That's why it's weird. You bring him back but your defense is gutted, but you're trying to say that you want to win, but you have control of, uh, of of Nelson's movement, but you cut him anyway. You could still keep him. If you bring Ben back, it makes sense to go all in, throw your chips in, and try to win because this is potentially the last year. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. This is potentially the last year. So if you're going to put your chips in and bring the old guy back, you owe it to yourself to do everything, in my opinion, to try to win. You can't half try to win. You know, you can't fill you know, you can't fill the pitcher up halfway full and try to sort of win. This just really feels weird. So you said something very interesting, right, about Ben Roethlisberger and the last year. Riddle me this. Um, and, and again, with the Stephen Nelson thing and, and and the freed up space that they have, we'll see what they do. I don't think we can necessarily judge what happened with Nelson fully until we see what happens in the draft and after free agency. We have to wait and see if they're going to try to bring in a nickel corner because I think the gap that's left with Nelson being out is there's no nickel corner now because Hilton's gone and Nelson is gone. So presumably you'll have Sutton as the starting corner on the opposite side of Hayden, but you don't have a nickel corner. And nickel corner, as we know, is very important in the National Football League. They're as important as starters because you're going to probably be in nickel 65% of the time. But you said something very interesting. Is this really going to be Ben's last year? You know, when you look at Ben's contract and the way it's set up with the voidable years on the back end, you know, you could, you could I mean, th- there's ways they could bring Ben back. Let's say, Ben, give me, let me riddle me this. Ben Roethlisberger has a Pro Bowl season. 
He plays about the same level as he did last year. Doesn't have the precipitous fall off in the last four games that he does, that he did last year. He goes out, he throws for about 4,000 yards, you know, QBR maybe in the 80s, you know, quarterback rating maybe about 98, somewhere around there. You know, he throws about 30 touchdown passes, maybe 15 interceptions. He looks relatively solid. He looks like potentially maybe the second best quarterback in the division. Is Ben Roethlisberger back again? And, and we're going to see one-year contracts moving forward, and he continues to possibly be the positive hostage? No. Um, no. I, I, I'm, I'm trying not to take the numbers you just listed off literally, but it, something bad would have happened to quarterbacks across the NFL if that's one of the higher marks, if that even gives you an indication it even gives you the thought that you'd want to bring him back again. He has said repeatedly he wanted to play one more year. He took a pay cut this season to play that one more year. I think he really just wants to go out um, with, with in his mind, the best effort that he could have to win another championship. For the life of me where we sit today and feel free to, to record this and blast me in next February if this is wrong, the Steelers aren't winning the Super Bowl this year. I'm, I'm 100% convinced of that. I don't think it's anything other than just, you know, personal pride that Roethlisberger wants to come back and end things his own way. I have no problem with that. I I have respect for him for doing that, and I'm happy the franchise is giving him the ability to do that as opposed to acting as if we need to see anything more of Mason Rudolph, acting as if a a low-end bridge option is worth anything to the Steelers right now. He is the bridge option. They signed him to a, a contract that they have full control over voiding next season without spending anything more than the, the $10.3 million, uh, against their cap next year, uh, which enabled them to, to get past a lot of the pain that he would have caused otherwise this year. Next year, they are very likely to have 11 draft picks, four coming from compensatory picks. As it sits right now, that can change. With that, you have a lot of ammunition to do what you can do in what I feel will be one of the higher draft picks in the first round the Steelers have had in quite a while, and another round of free agency with an increased cap and a wide-open roster for them next year. All of these moves strongly suggest if they're finding a, a quarterback of the future, it's going to be next offseason. He's not on the roster right now. Um, ben, that was going to be my next question. Is, yeah, I, I, is the quarterback of the future on the roster? I No way. I, well, okay, let, let's say this. Let's say this. The reason I say it, he might be on their roster today, he is technically not on the roster next season. Dwayne Haskins is year-to-year for now. We talked about this on Twitter, and to me, that this feeds right into everything that I just said. All of it is because I think, and this is very Kevin Colbert-like, they love the idea of a veteran quarterback with experience and a dirt-cheap contract. If Dwayne Haskins was to avail himself of whatever it is that they're asking him to do this year, and he, he you know, does the things they want him to do, they like what they see and probably the very limited practice options he's going to get, they feel that he can start for them next year. They'll pick up his dirt-cheap contract for next season, and they will place him in, in starting position. Financially, it could be one of the best moves they end up making in quite a while. It could be the opposite of everything they're looking at right now. Instead of the bloated quarterback contract on the cap, they're going to have a dirt cheap 
starting quarterback. He would be the, the least paid starter in the NFL in week one, uh, barring something happening before, like a couple days before week one. If he starts next season, he's going to make less money than 31 other starting quarterbacks in the league. How huge would that be in the year that odds are pretty good? You're going to have to tag T.J. Watt for the amount of money that he's worth, and you need to rebuild half of your roster. They, I'm not even saying that we don't know about, for example, cornerback James Pierre, who a lot of people suggest he could be good. Just give him a chance as the starting slot cornerback this season. We have nothing to, to say that about. He's not even on the roster next year. They have massive holes that they have to fill, which I'll, I'll say this again. March 28th, I don't know what their plans are in free agency. I suspect they're going to try to fill a couple of these holes in free agency and not try to leave all of it onto the draft. Uh, to, to do because that just isn't going to work. They don't have enough picks. Um, but for, for now, they don't have the bodies on their roster. They only have half their roster full. So a guy like Dwayne Haskins would make perfect sense to slide into QB1. Maybe maybe there's a rookie. I like to think that it's going to be a great year to trade up, especially if they only win six games. They're, they're going to be in a great position to acquire a high-level quarterback. But Haskins doing the things that they would hope that he would do uh, affords them an extremely valuable quarterback option, which I think is exactly why they picked him up in the first place. And there was competition to sign him. Carolina wanted to sign him. Look at Carolina right now. Is Carolina not in the exact same position Pittsburgh is? They don't have a long-term starter. Uh, They just might be one year ahead of Pittsburgh in the sense that Carolina is drafting nine right now. They need a quarterback. They're overhauling their entire team. Pittsburgh's doing the same thing. They're just not at that point yet. Carolina got a year head start on them, and they both vied for the same quarterback. Both of them tried to sign Dwayne Haskins, I think, for the same reason. They can get away with an experienced starter that, you know, need maybe he needs a new location. Maybe he needs to grow up a little bit. We can mentor him. We can give him that level of leadership. We can give him that structure. And with it, they can find themselves uh, in, in the highly desired position of having a starting quarterback making less than a million dollars a year. That's incredible. That's a great position to be in. I'm not saying that Dwayne Haskins is going to come in and and light the world on fire. I'll tell you this, though. I would feel he has more upside than Mason Rudolph does. And he, this year, is going to make a quarter of what Mason Rudolph makes. So if he's there basically the same price next year, you you might be solving an incredible problem in in an ingenious way. I I think – and very well – very well could end up being one of the best moves the Steelers have made in free agency in a long time, if he turns out to be worth anything, which we don't know. I think it's a masterstroke. And the only frustrating thing about the whole positive hostage thing with Ben Roethlisberger, because, and we saw it this week with San Francisco. San Francisco has a quarterback that took them to the Super Bowl on the roster. They were so aggressive and so optimistic about this quarterback class. And I, and I read where you said on Twitter you think they're going to get Trey Lance. I, I'm a, I, if you have Lance in your name, I love you <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. If you have Lance in your name, you, you, I'm a fan of yours. They were so aggressive about what I'm going to say that they moved up in the third slot to get the next guy. Whoever they draft may not even start this year. All indications are there are strong signals out here in the Bay Area that Jimmy G is going to be their bridge quarterback to this next guy. And what a bridge you can have in a guy that took you to the Super Bowl. I think describing Ben as the bridge quarterback 
is the best description that I've heard thus far. You already have paid for them. The dish is already hot. You might as well eat it. It's cheaper to keep her. He's our bridge. He's not, and I, and I thought the idea when we talked a while ago about Gardner Minshaw being the bridge. Well, that's Ben Roethlisberger. You know, I'm not going to suggest that Ben is not better than, that Gardner Minshew is better than Ben, but at this point, Ben Roethlisberger, Gardner Minshew, bridge quarterback, whoever, it, it doesn't matter. But only thing I did not like about this whole thing is if you don't have your quarterback in the, of the future, your number one job as a franchise is to identify that guy as quickly as possible. Now, riddle me this. I, I think they have said Mason Rudolph is not the guy. But it is a masterstroke, I think, to get a first-round guy in your building at that cost. If that works, Kevin Colbert could possibly go down as the best GM in NFL history. If this works, being able to get Dwayne Haskins in and he pan out at that cost, you're talking about at that cost, he would represent, what, like 1% of your cap? You know, in an era where, you know, your quarterback has to be about 13% or below of your salary cap for you to field a competitive roster. That would just be an absolute masterstroke if they could do that with Dwayne Haskins. But again, they're kind of doing both at the same time. But I, I don't think it's a bad idea for the Steelers to let Ben basically take his victory lap. Uh, this is football. It is a pain business. It could be a painful victory lap if they don't get that offensive line built and and shored up. This is going to be a very interesting year for the Steelers. It very much feels like a mulligan year. Like we're going to take a mulligan this year. We're going to bring Ben back. We're just going to close the chapter on that book, and then we're going to move forward with our future. But they're they're kind of doing both at the same time. And I don't know if they even care if they're successful at doing both at the same time. This year is this year. It's an albatross. It's on its own. It, we're just going to frame it as that. It's this year. It's it's Ben's last year. We're just going to move forward and, and and get about this business and get this season done and next year. But I, but I do love uh, the forward thinking of Kevin Colbert and, and what they're going to do and what they're going to do with Haskins. Because I think Haskins – if you're looking in the crystal ball, Haskins is the move that needs to work for the Steelers to move forward and rebuild next year. Because if the Haskins move doesn't work, you're talking about years of discovering a quarterback. And, you know, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a drought. But you're also, to your point about winning a championship, I don't even think winning a championship is in the consideration in the building. They won't say that publicly. But I think they know what they are. I mean, they know what they are. They cut their starting corner. I mean, they. I mean, they know what they are. They know that they're in this weird transition phase, but they have to package it a certain way so fans don't realize they're tanking. So they're kind of sort of tanking. I don't know what you would call that anking. I don't know if you just take the T out and ranking, <laughs> banking, panking. I don't know what you would call it, but stanking. they're kind of like stanking. I mean, they're kind of like sort of tanking light it's like a tank light because if we bring back ben it doesn't imply tanking but we know we really can't win so 
you know, what do you foresee is the best option this year? I mean, if you if if you're looking in a crystal ball, I mean, what's what's the best option for this football team with this whole positive hostage situation? That that some of the young players are solid. I mean, what's what's the best option for this year in the crystal ball if you're looking at it? I'll say this because I, I think that is largely subjective. Um, I think there is a difference between saying we're trying to win and we're doing the right thing business-wise. It's not as if Mike Tomlin is going to go to training camp and say, you know what, guys, we don't really care this year. Just take it easy. You know, He's going to work them as if they are competing for a championship because that's his job. He's not there to, to run things at the 30,000-foot level the way Kevin Colbert is. Kevin Colbert is not saying we're tanking. That's a very specific accusation that, that's much more fitting for the NBA when you play a lot of young guys uh, earlier in, in, in a bad season. For the NFL, in, in this case, it's here's the business reality. These are the things that we have to do. Now let's do the best that we can because you don't learn to win by losing. First right, top overall picks, Trevor Lawrence looks like a great player to me, as does Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. These guys look like, you know, franchise-changing kinds of players. But in the NFL, it doesn't work that easily. There are a lot of other pieces that you have to fill anyway. For the Steelers, they're taking the long approach to this. They're looking at the long view and saying, we don't know where we're going to be with a quarterback. But we were praised up and down for the Minka Fitzpatrick acquisition, this is, with Dwayne Haskins, it's really kind of the same thing um, in a much more diluted fashion at a lesser cost with a higher upside, which is to say the quarterback position, you know, God bless Minka Fitzpatrick, but the quarterback position is a little bit more important than free safety is. If they were able to get their future quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, which, just like you, I have no idea. I don't know how that's going to pan out. What I know is that Kevin Colbert asked the same question of that of of Dwayne Haskins and said, you know what? It's costing me nothing to find out. Absolutely nothing to find out. Right now we're paying for this guy's meal. We're giving him a security card and we're letting him come use our weight room. That's all we're paying for today. Let's get him to camp. Let's see how he is. If he's good, we're not paying him anything. Worst case scenario, if if he shows up and does the things he needs to do, they have a cheap, experienced veteran who has started before backing up whoever's next. It's not as if that's not a, a valuable position. There are plenty who would say a, a backup quarterback's a top 20 roster position. If they feel that they have that with Mason Rudolph now, great. You get to replace Rudolph at a much lower cost next year. Do you remember when they signed Landry Jones to a you know, $1.5 million contract? That's because he's a backup quarterback who knows what he's doing. Next year, if Dwayne Haskins does the things he needs to do now, next year he is a very affordable backup with starting experience, probably more than Landry Jones had, more than Mason Rudolph's had. That's valuable, and that's if he's not the starting quarterback. It's a brilliant move for for the sheer simplicity of it. So Colbert really can't miss with that. If it pans out, if it goes to the highest end of expectation, that sets everything else up for the team for the future. So then you can say, we are making moves for the future. On top of that, with the exception of the Juju move, which I also think is is something specific to the market that they were in, I don't think that they planned to sign Juju. I don't think that they necessarily planned his valuation to be $8 million. I think when they saw that it was $8 million, they said, this is a great deal. We can set this up. 
and look to negotiate a long-term extension next year um, it, with with the first year of what would be say a five or even six million or six year extension, we got year one for nothing compared to the rest of this deal. That's a great move. That's a move for your future. I think that's smart. Alu is a stopgap guy. Whoever it is that they may or may not bring in uh, to any other of, of the myriad holes that they have on their roster now is probably going to be a stopgap decision. But you're you're locking up a wide receiver for cheap for a long time. You're locking up a potential quarterback for cheap for, for at least another two years. And then you've got 11 draft picks because all the guys who contributed to a team that collapsed down the stretch got signed for big money elsewhere. You lost Hilton. Okay, that, that's kind of tough. That's not good. You cut Nelson. Yeah, he's a good player. I understand that. The, these guys all, you know, and, and Colbert would be the first one to say this, these guys all contributed to a team that didn't win a championship. If you want to look at it in that regard, they're clearing out space to rebuild their core. All of these moves suggest that they're doing that, with the exception of Ben. But I don't think they have a choice with Ben. That's what makes this a lame duck year, and they're never going to suggest that that's the case. I'm just saying Ben hinders their ability to truly compete at a high level this year. I think they'll fight for 500. We can't be 500 in a 17-game season. I think they're going to fight for eight or nine wins at best. I think they're probably a seven-win team this season. I think they're wide open after this season to compete at a high level again, uh, if not in 22, then certainly in 23, because they have a ton of draft picks. They have a ton of cap space coming in. They're going to be able to compete for good free agents, they're probably going to have a slew of very good draft picks next season. So you put all that together, that's the plan here. I mean, Colbert's never going to admit that. Tomlin is not going to be allowed to say, you know what, we're going to be better next year. We don't care about you guys this year. They're trying to win, but in a business reality, that isn't going to help them do that at all. You know what is interesting when we go back to the question, can you reveal with one foot in the past? As we framed it in this particular show, and I want to thank everybody for checking out the show, you actually can, because when you say it's a lame duck year, Ben is sort of like a bourbon with a splash of water. Like, you know, like the, everything else is rebuilding. He's just, okay, if you discount him, if we're rebuilding. He's just, he's what he is. We have to deal with him. But we're rebuilding. He's just going to be along for the ride. Like, he's just in the back seat. But he's not driving the car. Rebuilding is driving the car. So, and it's ingenious how they're doing it. Because they're actually rebuilding. But when you put his face on it, it doesn't look like rebuilding. It's like buying the bad house, the house that's dilapidated, that needs a lot of work in a good zip code. The zip code says you're rich. The zip code says you're super wealthy, but the house says you're dirt cheap poor. And so, you know, kind of what's happening is they're getting away with it. They're actually doing both. <laughs> they're selling that they're trying to win with Ben. He's the face of the yeah, Steeler fans. We have six championships. We're always going to compete. We're always going to put their best foot forward. Okay, Ben, you're the billboard for that. But in the background, after you see, you know, sort of like when you watch movies and you see these frames of houses, when you see on the camera, you see an out, a outline of a house, but when you turn the camera off, behind the camera, there's nothing there. 
That's sort of what's going on now. So it's weird in a sense that they are rebuilding. The rebuilding is it started and it's happening. Ben is just the face of you know the fool's gold that they're flashing in front of Steeler fans. Before we get out of here and, and conclude the show, I want to get your your your, your quick thoughts because I know you love uh, breaking down guys and quarterbacks and stuff like that. Just put this in just really quickly in perspective. How good is this quarterback class? I, I think it's excellent, and I, I put that into the frame of the 2018 class where we saw Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Um, I feel the four at the top of this class, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, I feel at least two of those would have been taken over Baker Mayfield at the top of that class. Um I think all three of them would go in the top three that year as well. I, I think they're just they're better than the last really good quarterbacks class. And that isn't to say that it wasn't really good. I mean, look look what happened with Josh Allen. Um, look what happened with Lamar Jackson. Look, Baker Mayfield's playing good football. I know that the Steelers fans hate to hear that, but he's a fairly solid quarterback. They're not all great. We saw issues with Rosen, obviously. I don't think he's ever going to start another game. Um, Darnold is hit and miss. We're not sure yet. Um, whether it's the dysfunction of that franchise or his, or his lack of ability, I, I think these guys are pretty high level. I think you can stick Justin Fields on the Jets or eventually on the Falcons, uh, and, and he's going to produce for you. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a plug-and-play guy. He's going to do fairly well uh, immediately, very similar to what Joe Burrow was able to do. Um, I think Trey Lance has has the high-level ability of a guy like, like Josh Allen. I don't think he can or should play immediately, but he's a high-level guy. He can play. He's got the tools very smart. He's got the, the good kind of mobility. You're, you're going to see a lot of good things from all four of them. Zach Wilson, you know, he might end up the best out of all of them. I mean, he, he's probably two, three, or four in that class, too. It, it, they're all really, really good. And I think top to bottom, um, it, it's a great year to be in that top four. And I think that's exactly what San Francisco thought when they, they gave up what's usually a haul from further back in the draft to get to number two overall. They gave that up to get to three. I think they have a target in mind. I think Trey Lance is, is a great fit for Kyle Shanahan. And I think they're banking on their buddy, Bob Saleh, picking uh, Zach Wilson at number two. It wasn't a coincidence that that trade was executed an hour after his pro day. I think it was, hey, Robert, what do you think? Yeah, we're going to take Wilson. Okay, thanks. They're going to trade up to three to be able to get Trey Lance. And that means – uh, if you have a, a player of the caliber of Justin Fields going four overall, you've got a really good draft. And to me, it, 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 to define a draft, it's your quarterbacks and it's your top five picks. Uh, if you put uh, uh, Sewell to Cincinnati at five, who I think is a, a phenomenal talent, if those are your top five draft picks, I think it's one of the best draft classes we've seen in the last decade. Before we get out of here, Neil, I want to give a big shout-out to, uh, to my guy. Can you see the comment there? I can, yes. I want to give a big shout-out, Kyle, uh, uh, to Killer K. This is my former roommate in college, one of my guys. Uh, big up to Kyle for checking out the show. Thank you for your comments, sir. Before we get out of here, Neil, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here this week? Um, yeah, heading into the draft, you want Steelers coverage. Steelers wires got it covered. Um, Code per <laughs> Kurt Popejoy and Alyssa Kaler are uh, banging out stuff for us uh, each and every day. Uh, we've also got 31 other teams that we cover. If you're a Steelers fan, you don't care about them. But if you want to check out other stuff, uh, the Wire brand has uh, coverage for every team in the NFL as well as um, 
We cover the draft exclusively. Luke Easterling runs DraftWire. Check out that uh, social media or on uh, the, the site itself. Uh, we appreciate the support. It's been a it's been a great ride. Steelers Wire is is kind of the crown jewel of everything. I'm proud to say I started that site uh, many moons ago, and I, I run uh, the whole network now. So I'm I'm not as, as involved um, in the coverage as much as I used to be, which is why Lance we're we're, uh, we're we're doing me a huge favor by doing this. It's great to to get into the details again. I really enjoy it. And listeners, Neil is fantastic at what he does. I enjoy doing this, and we're going to keep bringing you fantastic content. Before we get out of here, I want to again tell you guys you can get the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and please subscribe to the show on YouTube. So if you go to the show on YouTube, do a search for the new standard, search under Lance Williams or Neil Kulong, you'll find it, and make sure you hit the subscribe button. But with that, we're going to get on out of here, and we will check you out again next Sunday where we bring you a great new topic. Thank you.